a little. All right. Uh, we're talking about the gathering of God's people. It's been called an assembly of God's people for many, many years. I grew up in the assemblies. And uh, we had taken a, a uh, concept and turned it into a, a product, I guess. Uh, the point that, that we need to understand this morning is that God is very interested in His people gathering, His people assembling. And so we want to talk about that this morning. The text uh, is, as you see, Hebrews 10. I'd like to read that and uh, have you consider these various things. We're going to just take a very small portion of that for our discussion this morning. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His body... And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father, we ask that You would bless Your Word to us. The most important thing that is said all morning has been said as we've read Your Holy Word. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would impact our lives this morning with this. I pray that we'll not uh, uh, play around with your word that will take seriously the message you have for us. Mostly, Lord, I pray that, that I'll be obedient to this word. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that, that we would have hearts that are willing to obey. Help us to say yes to you this morning, even if it hurts, even if it means we have to make some changes. I pray, God, this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you saw three exhortations. I hope you picked them out. The first one was draw near to God. It's the concept of abiding. John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Nothing happens apart from your abiding in the vine. You must be in connection with the Lord Jesus. Now obviously, that starts with a personal relationship as you place your faith, your trust in the work that He did on the cross of Calvary. I, I, I know this is rude and some of you I'm speaking to for the very first time, but you're a bunch of smelly sinners. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say smelly. I said that. <laughs> but you have sinned and I have that on the authority of Holy Scripture. All have sinned. And as a result, we fall short of the glorious standard that God expected for every human being. We're in trouble. But as we were saying in our earlier meaning, we have a Redeemer. We have someone who purchased us back from sin, back from the corruption. He has won our place back to Himself by purchasing us with His own blood that He shed on the cross. And it can be a personal relationship of your very own as you in faith trust only that for your soul's salvation. Scripture is very, very clear. 
that yes, there are good works. They're out there and they're to be done. But that has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation is totally on the basis of the work that Christ did on the cross. And as you place your trust, your faith, your confidence in that finished work, you become a child of God. You become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an excellent, excellent work. I don't exactly understand how it all happens. I just know it happened to me. And I'm so thankful that God saved my soul. And and I know that I join many of you as brothers and sisters in Christ saying, thank you, Lord, for saving our soul. Now His call is to us that we draw near, that we abide, that we draw from Him. In this new relationship that we have, we draw from Him the strength we need to be the kind of people God wants us to be, to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish. That's where the good works comes in. There's a lot that has to be done. And it's to be done for His honor and glory, which means it has to be done in His way and in His time and according to His plan and according to His will. And it's not easy for us to discern all of that. So we need to ask Him for the wisdom that that He so willingly gives us to, to pull all that together and do what He wants us to do. And it begins by drawing near to God. Take time to meditate on that. Study that a little bit. See what that means and then do it. Okay? Then it says, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Okay? There's going to be mountains in our way. There's going to be some horrible valleys. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be all kinds of of things that would keep us from, from holding on. And yet he said, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I promise that I will keep you. You hold on and don't swerve. Hold on. Hold on. And then the third thing was, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. See, there it is again, those good works. But we're supposed to spur one another on. Have have anybody a cowboy here? we have any cowboys this year? I got one, Barbie! Yay! Barb, do you ever wear spurs? No, I did you used to? Uh, and the purpose was? To make the horses go faster or obey. Obey or go faster, okay. And you know all what they are. They're those little things that go jingle, jingle on the bottom of her boots when she walks. She's a cool cowgirl. Yeah. <laughs> but she would let that horse have it every once in a while when he wasn't doing what he wanted her to do. And that's what we're supposed to do for one another. I'm not the literal things, okay? I can see. <clears throat> Give your guitar a good spur there. No, uh, I already did that once a day. You can, you can encourage. You can poke and jab. And we're supposed to do it in a loving way. But we can move one another toward those good deeds, toward increased love. We've been studying the book of Revelation and, and my... Um, talk today is just a little pause in in that great great study. But we looked at the seven churches, and the first church did what? They oh, JP, you're the only one that passed this morning. Okay, where were the rest of you? Okay, they lost their first love. They lost their first love, and we're supposed to spur each other. We're supposed to encourage one another. Don't lose that love. Hang on. 
Do it. Make it happen. Pray that God would deepen your love for Him and for one another. Okay? Spur on. Encourage. And He gives a very specific um, guideline as to how this is going to happen. How this can be take place, alright? And it was at the tail end of those verses we read. It's verse 25 of Hebrews 10. It says, "...not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching." Let's dissect it a little bit. I'm going to go backwards. Mark, that was an excellent sermon last week. You went orderly right down through the passage. It was so easy to follow. I said, I want to be like Mark, so I'm going to do it all backwards. Okay. Um, first is the day. The day. Three, at least three views of what we're talking about there. And I have um, a preference, and I'll share that with you in a few minutes. But you, you need to think this through. Um, one that scholars feel is a possibility of what, what uh, the writer of Hebrews was referring to was the day when Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Somewhere in A.D. 70, um, the temple was, was shattered. The whole city was ruined. Um, the people really were scattered. And uh, until very recently, there's been no homeland for the Jewish people. Um, that could have been what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. Not sure. So I'll go to another one. This one is quite a, quite a common view that it, we're talking about God's final judgment of, of the earth, of mankind, of the world and its whole system. And again, um, wow, lots of people agree with this one. So, you know, woe to those who take another view. But there is a third view, and it's called the return of Christ for the church. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as the rapture. You'll never see the word rapture in Scripture, but there, there is teaching about that. In fact, there's even images on Google about it. Okay, so it must be real. I, I, I want you to know that I, I hold that third option. I'm just trying to lay it out there. If you disagree with me, you're probably right, but that's okay. Uh, I've been wrong before, you know. But this is the view that I hold, and so what I say is kind of wrapped around or based around this view. It comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it has to do with the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, uh, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And he adds this phrase, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, what is it? that we're supposed to do, the third uh, charge that we were given? What's, what's the concept? Hold. Spur each other on. Encourage one another. Here we have it again. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. With what words? Jesus is coming back. And I believe He's coming back soon. And I believe that that needs to be kind of a motivation for us. All right? Everything that I see in the world today points to the soon return of our Lord Jesus. And we need to get pumped about that. But we also need to be ready. We also need to have the old spur in our side because it's easy to become apathetic. 
Anyone ever notice how easy that is? Anyone notice how, how we can just kind of get dull about the things of God and doing the things of God? It's hard work. That poor horse of Barb's that had run for five miles carrying that enormous weight and he's, <laughs> and he's exhausted. But there's, a, there's another mile to go and so what does Barb do? She spurs him on and he responds. And my prayer this morning is that my heart will respond. That your heart will respond to this encouragement to move forward. All right? Everything points to the soon return of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Wow. Wow. See, I'm old enough to be able to appreciate this. Some of you young ones, you don't, you don't get it. Okay? But us old guys... We know, okay? I'm sorry. That is rude. Um, no. In my lifetime, I've watched as this thing of wars and rumors of war has unfolded. And let me tell you, it's kind of scary. I, I was born just as World War II was ending. I almost said World War I. Uh, just as World War II was ending. 1945, two days later, Europe heard about my birth and signed the... Uh, May 8th, they signed a declaration of, of, uh, of, of peace in Europe. The war went on in Japan for a few months more and then finally uh, there was an end to that. And everybody said, oh, the great world war is over. And we breathed a sigh of relief. And since then, I have watched as the whole world has become more and more and more embroiled in wars. Very interesting. I know there's been wars for as long as there's been people. But wow, is it something today. And then there's something about political alignments. And I want to be real careful here because I, I've heard um, different preachers talk about the end times and they get so specific and they say, well, now this means that and that means this and that means that we've got six more weeks until the Lord returns and so on October. What is it? October 21st, Jesus is coming. No, I'm not going there, okay? And I, I don't want anybody to get on that, that ship. I don't think that's right. But you have to be, um, you have to be alert to the... It, it, you ever seen alert? No, I never. Anyway, you have to be aware... <laughs> thank you, thank you. I had one brother that got that one. Anyway, um, where were we? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so wrapped up in my own funnies. You have to be aware that the, that the political situation in our globe is moving us toward the time when Jesus will return, when, Jesus, when Christ comes back actually to, to set up His throne on this earth. Uh, another thing that I happen to believe in. China. When I was, when I was uh, born... China was a weak, impotent nation. In fact, Japan, just a few years earlier, where's our historians? Okay, a few years before World War II, Japan went in and basically beat the tar out of China. Took slaves and everything from China. Poor little China. Where's China today? An army of over a million people. Foot soldiers, over a million foot soldiers in their army. 
right now, probably the number two economic power in the world. Soon, by 19, or 19, 2016, projected to be the number one economy in the world. China. And then I would go to Scripture and it says, the king of the east is going to come. And it's, I can't say for sure if it's China, and I don't know for sure if it's now, but boy, it sure looks like it. That here's a nation that was nothing when I was a kid. And now they're, 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 they're rivaling our powerful country as, as number one in the world. And Scripture talks about this huge power coming into Jerusalem, into, into Israel to, uh, to enslave it and to overcome it. Uh, the European Union, uh, Russia, still, still hanging on. We thought Russia was done for a few years ago. Ronald Reagan took care of Russia, right? Russia's back. And, and all these political figures that people have pointed to over the, over the last several decades as, as being the players in world um, movement are, are, are in place to move against tiny little Israel. Well, don't be afraid, Israel, because the U.S. of A. is on your side. Right? Never fear, Israel! Yet Israel's losing its number one friend, its number one support. We as a nation are turning against Israel in rapid fashion. And I just have to say, you know what? I never thought it would happen. In fact, when I was born, there wasn't even an Israel. Three years later, they signed some paperwork that made this tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of land a homeland for Jewish people. They felt sorry for them after Hitler had beat up on them and, and the whole world had rejected them. Okay, we'll give them a little parcel of land, but we won't take them seriously. And today, the whole world focuses on what's going on in Israel. And that's what the Bible predicted. Everything points to... Everything points to the soon return of the Lord Jesus. And I'm not going to go into, into uh, great detail on those things, but man, get some books and do some reading because there's some really interesting stuff. What I'm suggesting is the day is approaching. It's closer now than it was when Hebrews was written. Would you say that? By about 2,000 years? Well, okay, so then. It must be coming soon. The day is approaching. At least we're to live as though it's very, very soon. And the Scripture's clear. We need to be ready. And as we are preparing our hearts, it says that we are to encourage one another. So let's go there. The day is approaching. Whatever your view of the day is, it's coming. And there's a job for us to do. There's work for us to do. Are you ready? You got your work boots on? Chris wore his flip-flops again. No, come on. Work boots. All right? We've got work to do. What do we do? Well, He calls us to assemble. Not so bad, huh? He calls us to assemble. And at the very least, I think that means be there 
when the church is called to gather. Okay? Now, we're going to have a little, uh, a little exercise here. Uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do and then you do it. All right? Everyone's going to stand and um, I'm going to say, all right, everyone who's a believer in Jesus, remain standing. And all those will stand. And then I'm going to say, everyone who attended the prayer meeting this last week, remain standing. And no, I'm not going to do that. There'd be embarrassment, wouldn't there? But you know what? The church was called to gather last Wednesday night. Where was the church? Where was the Great Adventure Church? That's the only one I'm really worried about this morning. Please understand, there's rapport and, and interaction with other churches. Yes, we need that. But, but for the challenge to our hearts this morning, I'm talking to my family. I'm talking to us kids. And I'm saying, hey, when the church gathers, at very least, I need to be there. Now, I'm convinced that we need to see this in a much broader term. Uh, that, that two meetings a week is not what the author of Hebrews meant when he said gather. So, assume that at very least you need to be there whenever the church gathers. Alright? But understand, I think it's bigger than that. Here's why. Because we're the church 24-7, not 2-2. Does that make any sense? We never stop being the church. It's not two hours a week on two different days. And that's the way Christianity is in America and it's tragic. It can't be that way. That can't be what God meant. The early church gathered daily. They broke bread together. They interacted together. They fellowshiped together. And because life is so much easier now than it was then, we don't need to do that, right? Are you kidding me? People needs today are so great that we can't possibly meet them by gathering for two hours in a week. It can't get done. Reverend, you sound a little passionate about this. Well, I think we all need to be passionate. It needs to be 24-7. Does that mean we all live in one big... Con no, 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 no. We're not going there. But there needs to be a body-life commitment that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I belong to you, you belong to me, I need you, you need me. We must be in an organism that is functioning together. And so the question is, how in the world are we going to accomplish that? Bob Diefenbaugh. Um, anybody from Dallas area? Okay, one. Remember Bob? Got a good church down there. A lot of our people um, have been there. Uh, good preacher. He says, we should not gather merely to receive ministry, but to minister to others. Isn't that good? I really like that. See, when you walked in the door this morning, you know what you did? You gave me a boost. You, you, you encouraged my heart. Oh, I can't believe she's here! Speaking of... No, never mind. Uh, wow! That's an encouragement. You ministered to me. What other ways can you minister to me? Well, I didn't come here to minister to anybody. Man, I, 
I just came because I liked the music. Or hot chick to sit next to her. I don't know what your motive for getting here. But, um, you know, when you come, you need to come with an attitude that says, I am going to minister. Everybody reach in their pocket and pull out one of these. Everybody that has one, I want you to hold it up. Quickly, 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 quickly. Look at this. Look at this. Mark, where's yours? Aha! Thank you very much. All right. Look at this. What an incredible asset for the family of God. Huh? You thought it was a nuisance, didn't you? In fact, they say if you're really cool, you don't need one of those. That's why I thought Mark wasn't going to bring his out today. <laughs> if you're really cool, you have an aide that comes around and says, uh, Sir, you received a cause. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got your own cell phone. Somebody's ringing it. Well, thank you. Thank you. We can put those away. Um, <laughs> some of you were texting anyway. You had it all very convenient. Okay. Um, How could we use the cell phone to minister to this body? Quick, some suggestions. Quick, quick, quick. What? Texting. Texting. Okay, I hate that thing. <laughs> Gregory. Uh, having your phone on hand lets you email a whole lot of people on every meeting. So if you hear about a prayer request, you can shoot out an email to everybody. Awesome. Awesome. And your phone goes doot like that. Yeah. Ooh, I got to pray. Scott. Calendar. Yes. Yes. What else? Quick, come on. Go ahead. All right. Any of those around? Okay. I'll tell you what, we've got some students here that are away from home for the first time. <laughs> they're going to be bawling their eyes out by midnight. <laughs> they're going to they're need a phone call. <coughs> That's it, Molly. You take care of that boy. Yep. Yep. You know what? They don't even need encouragement. Maybe just call them and let them know, hey, it's good to see you. This is, this is going to be fun. The Wallings aren't here this morning, okay? I want five people to call Aaron and Carrie today. Will you please do that for me? And just say, we missed you. We missed you. Can I see five hands? One, two, three, four, five. Thank you. Okay, take care. <laughs> All right, yeah. They'll appreciate it. It'll encourage the body of Christ. Probably tick them off too when you come. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Okay. Diefenbaugh says, We are not to forsake our gathering together with the church and are to use this context to minister to others. Wow. I have to, I have to admit that this is kind of foreign territory. Isn't it? Didn't you think church was just a place where you went and, and showed up and, and once in a while there was a song you liked? and, and um, No. No. By gathering, you are to be ministering. That means, if it's 24-7, that means that I need to stop by Patton's office once in a while and say, bro, how's it going? I, I, it, it still, is your wife still looking for work? Kid's doing okay. I need to stop and check on him. I need to give this guy a call. Every day he's out there hauling bricks. Can you imagine? Where's Sean? Sean? You like working for that guy? Huh? Good. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, okay. 
Do you think by 5 o'clock in the afternoon he needs a little encouragement? I think so. I think so. Wow. There's heartaches in our body. There's people who are hurting right now, aren't they? And we need to be helping one another. We need to be supporting one another. Uh, I liked it. <clears throat> Barb kind of organized the move for these folks, right? A little bit. Awesome. I love it when this church responds and does what's right. But we need to do that 24-7. Okay? Let, let's not say, oh yeah, we moved one family this month. Aren't we wonderful? Nah. 24-7. There's things that we need to do. There's things that we need to, to be. There's things that we need to, to, to practice that will encourage us to press on. Alright? How can we minister? Well, I made a list, but there's a discussion question coming up, and so I want you to be thinking about this, and I'm leaving plenty of time for discussion, so, um, so hang on here, okay? Uh, how can we minister? Well, obviously, <clears throat> there's feeding, that is teaching and explaining the Word, and that is only to be done by professionals who stand at this pulpit. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If you really want to learn something, sit down and study it with another friend. Go over it together. Get your nose into the book. Spend some time feeding yourself and then pass that on to one other person. And what have you done? You've fed them. And you've obeyed this command of God. We need to pray corporately. The Scripture says that we are to gather for prayer. And again, I'm pushing this one because this is the, the poorest attended meeting in the church. <clears throat> we need to be those who are willing to pray corporately, where audibly and, and uh, together we pour out our hearts. <laughs> Once in a while at Great Adventure, when I get to lead prayer, <clears throat> we, we use what we call the Korean style. Anyone familiar with the Korean style? Everybody in this church loves it. Okay? <laughs> That's where everybody prays out loud at the same time. It's just awesome. The rafters just shake with prayer. And, and, and we got people down here saying, oh no, God's not going to... <laughs> Come on! You think you're the only people praying around the world? And my God hears every prayer. He answers those prayers. But we don't, they don't let me get by with that very often. There's only two people in the church, me and Sam Janicki, that like to do the Korean kind of praying. But anyway, we need to gather when we are called for corporate prayer. It's no joke, people. It's not something we can say, oh, I can fluff off on that one. No, 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 okay? We need to listen and understand the heart needs of people in our church. As I, went around, as I go around this room, and I can't do it now, but every single individual in this room has some area of their heart where there's pain. Right? Something hurts. And God has put me on this earth to minister to those hurts. And I'm not alone. Guess who else He put here to minister? Raise your pinky. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has hard hurts. 
We need to step outside ourselves and say, how can I minister to someone else? We need to share the workload. The Scripture calls it bearing one another's burdens. And that may be literally. Yeah, there may be some, some uh, sofas to haul or, or uh, <clears throat> windows to wash or floodwaters to scoop out of a basement or whatever there is. How'd the ceiling project go? Did you get any help? How many? Uh, three. Oh, three of you. Oh, I'm so happy. Now, we were helping the folks move. Okay. But did you get anything done? Is there still more to do? Oh, yes. All right. Look, even if you just go and put your head under a, a, a piece of sheetrock, it will be a help. Am I right? Yeah. Or maybe there's some chips that fall on the floor. You can sweep them up. Oh, I've never done any carpentry. Well, have you ever swept? Okay. Be authentic. If there's one thing that I believe was real in the early church is that they shared with each other who they really were. And we have developed this concept that we put on a Sunday morning mask and everybody smiles through it and nobody has any idea what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling or what I'm, what I'm desiring. And if we're not authentic, we're nothing. We're just a bunch of fakes. It's, it's no wonder, people, why outsiders look in at us at the great adventure and say, why would I want to get with them guys? Huh? We have to be real. Now, guess what? As you show what's real, what's going to show? Huh? Well, oh. Fool me. Throw me a curve. Yeah. Yes, that's right. They're going to see the Lord Jesus. And I'm sorry I'm being negative. I should, uh, that's where I should go. Yes, they will see Christ. And, and, and I see it in your lives. I hope you see it in mine. But I want more. I want more. And you want more. Okay? If we're authentic, they're going to see that there's some, that there's some bumps and some warts. And they're going to see that there's some lusts and some, and, and, and some evil and, and, and we're going to notice that in one another. Isn't that a terrible thing? Here all the time you thought you were coming to the perfect church and everybody in here was just awesome. No sin in my life. We need to be authentic people. That hurts. That's painful. We're not going to do that unless we really, really, really have a desire to be obedient to what Scripture has to say. We need to mentor one another. Everyone here needs a mentor. And everyone here at the very same time needs to be mentoring someone else. And if you can't find someone to mentor or you can't find someone to mentor you, you're failing. You can and you must. It's part of our ministry to one another. We need to hold each other accountable. You see, when we're authentic, we show both the good and the bad. And if we're holding each other accountable, then when the bad shows up, we need to have someone there to challenge us and say, wait, not quite right. Most of you know my son KT. God has really moved him in the area of his gluttony. Nobody worries about that in America. 
Right? And God is touching His heart with it. And it's my job to hold my brother accountable, my son, my brother accountable to a conviction that God has given him. Now, it's not my job to make convictions up for you. All right? It's not my job to say, well, I get up at 5 a.m. to read my Bible and so you must as well. Now, that's not my job. Now, it is my job to challenge you and say, are, are you getting fed? Are you spending time in the Word? Are we doing that for one another? Hey, guess what? Huh? Call them up. Where'd you read this morning? Smitty. Just spend time in the Word. Okay? Got to work on that. Oh, you want the next one? What in the world does that mean? Huh? (laughs) Well, can I change the name? Because I think you're on the right track. How about Christianity? This is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus did. This is what the early church practiced. And I've said for years, I want to find a church where they did it where they do it like they did it in the early church. And I want you to know I found that here. Not perfect, but I found that here. And I love it. And we need to encourage each other and keep going. I've got 20 more minutes worth of these things, okay? We can be hospitable. You can take meals. And we do a great job of that. And you can invite people in. And we need to do more of that. You say, well, all I've got is this little dorm room. Hey, you know what? Find a place where you can entertain and be hospitable as part of assembling together. Okay? Care for the weak. Counsel. Model. All of these things are designed to encourage. Now, here's the discussion question, so I really want to open it up. Add to the previous list, how can we make this a reality in our lives, in this church, this week, this month, this year, so that God is honored and glorified. Please, take it away. Anything to add to the list first? Discipleship. Discipleship. Thank you. People in our homes. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Visitors, you're included in this. Please don't feel like you can't share. Nobody has enough time, and so we can minister to each other by giving that time saver. Thank you. Someone else? Oh, Jess. Come on. I know you want me to forgive you, but I'm not going to. No, I don't have anything against Jess. Thank you, brother. Someone else? Oh, what's that? Service. service. Genuine, regular service. There was someone over here. I heard it. Prayer. Thank you. 
Wow. Yes, Allie. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's that's part of it, isn't it? We get we're so independent. You know, Stephen Charnock. I hope to get this right. Says this: creature and independent are two words that are repugnant to one another. Isn't that a good quote? Creature, that is something that's been created, and independence are two words that are repugnant to one another. They they just don't go together. We are not independent. We are totally dependent. First on God, of course. But hasn't He built this neat little package called the body of Christ where there's an interdependency? And that interdependency includes us being willing, having enough humility to cry out and say, I need help. My stomach does that all the time. It's getting towards noon and right now my stomach is telling me, we need a little help here. Right? Doesn't yours ever talk to you? Hannah, you always make fun of me. She does. She sits up there and goes, yes, sir. Romans 15.1 Romans 15, Not to please ourselves. Bear the infirmities of the weak. Thank you. Go ahead, Christy. Oh! Have you heard our kids? It is a herd. But have you heard... <laughs> they, are, they are the noisiest kids on the planet. It's wonderful. Last Sunday we had the verse that, that was our verse. And it says, Out of the mouth of infants and babes comes forth praise. And our kids praise Jesus like crazy. It's wonderful. But Christy is asking us to stop a moment when that kid runs across your toe and just bend over and say, Hey, you are awesome. You're wonderful. And of course, by the time they're nine years old, you stop doing that because ten and up, they don't need that kind of encouragement. Isn't that right? <laughs> Sir, you had your hand up. Uh, bringing people together for times of softball fellowship. Woo! That's good. See, we've got Brett Hoban that will bring people together for softball. Is that profitable? You betcha. That was wonderful. Okay? Do we have people who will make it a point to gather? And how did you put it? Profitable fellowship. Okay. That's great. This is real, people. This is no joke stuff, okay? And we need to be involved in it. The Scripture says we are the body of Christ. It means we're the body of Christ 24-7. We need every part to do its part. The current model of the church leaves us alone far too much of the time. And the weakness then that we experience is caused by this disconnect from the vine and from the body. Very, very, very serious. I think God wants us to really understand this. Let's, I'm going to close with this. Try this, okay? When you go home, I want you all to pull out one eyeball. Anita, I'm trying to be serious here, okay? 
Leave it on the counter until the church next meets. All right? Try to figure out where the smell is coming from. (laughs) Notice how well you can see. Notice how well your eye works when you put it back in for church. I... I thought of this in the middle of the night and it was way too late, but I thought it'd be so cool. <laughs> it'd be so cool if I could have gone and you know, found some roadkill or something and cut an eyeball out and bring it in and, and, and put it in my hand and go, what I want you all to do... <laughs> I, that didn't work. That didn't... What's the point? It's a serious, serious point. What's the point? What? What's that? And once a week, people. The body, the body will not survive if the parts are not united, if the parts are not interacting, if the parts aren't each ministering to some other part. It has to be. That's what it means to assemble together. And just like your eyeball laying on the counter is going to rot and dry out and become totally dead within a matter of hours, so we in the body of Christ, as, we're, as, as each of us as a member of the body of Christ, as we separate ourselves from or fail to attach to, is maybe a better way of saying it, to the body of Jesus, we are going to become like a dead, rotting eyeball on the counter. I hope that's a graphic enough illustration for us to keep in our minds throughout the week. Alright? We need each other. We cannot survive without each other. And so the Scripture says you need to assemble. We need it. <clears throat> Father, we've, uh, we've laughed, but also inwardly we've cried a bit as we know some of the reality of what uh, Your Spirit has taught us this morning. And I pray, Father, that there will be a, a, a groundswell of action in this area, in the body, here at Great Adventure. We need You. We can't function without You. We need one another. We can't function without one another. Please, God, help us to bring it all together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.